Father, I thank you for the opportunity one more time this side of eternity to stand in this sacred place where your word is preached and heralded forth. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Your word, O oh Lord, is medicine for our hurts and for the healing of our hearts and minds, souls, and bodies. Your word also is food for our spirit man. And I pray that we will be strengthened and encouraged and informed today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And everybody said amen. 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 Among the Patrine epistles, there is strong doctrinal context. The letters from Peter to the Jewish people for the most part contain a, a lot of relational uh, doctrinal things that pertain to who we are in Christ and what God has done for every one of us, the transformation that has taken place in all of our lives. In 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 2, the Bible says, elect. He gives this entire treatise or this entire letter is given to people that he refers to as the elect of God. Elect ones, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Chosen uh, according to the foreknowledge of God. Well, we, knew, we know that our God is number one omnipotent, don't we? What does that mean? That he's all-powerful. He has potency. He is all-powerful. We also believe that he is omnipresent, the Greek prefix omni, which means all-inclusive. It means he is everywhere present at one time. So not only is he omnipotent, which means all-powerful, he is without peer. There is no power like God's power, not atomic power, not nuclear power, not cosmic power. There is no power that can match the power of our God. His God is unlimited, unlimited and is incomprehensible. In other words, we cannot imagine anything God cannot do. It means that anything that we can conjure up in our mind and our imagination, God can exceed that easily. He is all-powerful. He is omnipresent, and he is omniscient. When I say omniscient, that means he is all-knowing. There is nothing that is beyond the purview of his comprehension. He knows all about us. He knows all about uh, our children, our history. He knows everything. He knows our past. He knows our present. He knows our future. Amen. So then God who knows all things certainly possesses foreknowledge. I don't believe that God determines salvation for anyone, but I do believe that God knows what we will choose because he knows all things. And because I believe in omniscience, I have to believe that there is nothing that God does not know, that there is nothing that he doesn't understand. There is nothing that is hidden from the eyes of him with whom we have to do, the apostle Paul says. So in other words, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro in the earth, beholding, beholding and seeing. And there is nothing, everything is naked before the eyes of our Heavenly Father. He sees all, knows all, has been everywhere, amen, and can do anything. 
So when I uh, talk to you about God, I use language. We use English language. But there are not enough words in English language to describe him. There is no vocabulary. There is not one word that can cause you to fully understand who God is. So he is past finding out. In other words, in our finite capacity, we can never in any way comprehend him or approach the light wherein he dwells. No man can approach the light wherein the Lord uh, approaches to. He is greater than all others. There is none like him. Amen. And he is our God. So he has foreknowledge. Amen. He has foreordained certain things. Certain things he's foreordained. We know that Jeremiah said that Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 before he said before you you knew you but I knew you before you were a substance in your mother's womb he says before you were ever conceived I knew you and I ordained for you to be a prophet that informs us that God not only knows our composition he also knows our beginning knows our ending and knows the limitations and he also has a purpose for every one of us in this house. Everyone here, God's got a blueprint for you. Blueprint for just you. Amen. Knows exactly what he has in mind for you. Amen. We talk about that when we talk about the potter's house, when the, when the potter starts shaping a vessel because he has in uh, faithful imagination a picture in his mind of what he wants that pottery piece to come out to look like. God, as our uh, potter, he said, Oh, Israel, can I not do with you as a potter does with this clay? In other words, I have a vision for you. I have a, a view of the finished product that I want you to become. And he said, I intentionally inform and I intentionally shape you to be what I want you to be. The image, image, to be conformed into the image of his dear son. That's the goal of God for every one of us. Did you know that? To be like Jesus. We sing it sometimes. To be like Jesus. And the Lord hath, has foreordained for us to be conformed to the image of his dear son. Now, this terminology is very frequent in hyper-Calvinism. Hyper-Calvinism believes in, in limited atonement. That means God can save some, some he cannot save. The atonement is limited. That's the L in the tulip, you know, that I gave you one time about John Calvin's uh, doctrine and his theology. Limited atonement. That means everybody can't be saved. I don't believe in limited atonement. I believe in unlimited atonement. Now, he believes in unlimited grace, but he believes in limited atonement. I believe in unlimited grace, and I believe in unlimited atonement. I believe every person that will call upon the name of Jesus can be forgiven of every sin that is in his life, that there is no sin that God cannot forgive unless it is an unconfessed sin. For if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can you say amen to that? Amen. That's Arminianism. That means we believe anybody can be saved. 
So if anybody ever asks you about your view about predestination, say, I'm Arminian. That means you believe anybody can be saved. I believe that. I believe that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And I believe that whosoever means whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you. Praise the Lord for starting that hand clap and shame on you who didn't. You ought to clap about that, that you serve a God who will save whoever calls upon his name. Whoever exercises faith, we are saved by grace through faith, Ephesians chapter 2 and 8. Not of works, lest any man should boast. That's called works righteousness. Works righteousness will not save you. Works righteousness will not, it's commendable that you do good deeds and it's commendable that you're kind. It's commendable that you give money to support good causes, but that won't save you. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So elect simply means that we have embraced God's plan. It means that we have accepted as propitiation the life of Jesus and the humiliation of Christ on the cross as payment in full for the sins of the whole world both now and forevermore. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. Sanctification is personal purity. Personal purity. God's people, he says in this patrine materials, he says, be ye holy for I your God am holy. How can I be holy when all my attempts at righteousness is as filthy rags? How can I be holy when all flesh hath corrupted his way. How can I be holy when I was born in sin and in sin did my mother conceive me? How can I be holy when every man hath done what was right in his own eye, hath forsaken uh, the way? All have done despite to the spirit of grace. How can I be holy? I can accept the only one who is holy and accept what he did at Calvary's cross, a substitutionary, vicarious. That's a big word, vicarious. It simply means cover, all covering. It got us all. All covered. The vicarious. That means he died for everybody. That means he died for all nationalities. That means all ethnicities. That means all peoples from all lands, from everywhere, no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, no matter what language you speak, no matter what skin color, no matter what there is about you, you are a soul for whom Jesus died. And you are a child of God if you've embraced that position of being elect in Him. Elect in Him. Hallelujah. Elect 
elect to be made and conformed to the image of Christ. Sanctification of the Spirit. It's purity. It means cleansing. Sanctification is a good word for a, another word that gets a bad rap. Holiness. And boy, the Hebrew letter in which there are some strong doctrinal statements. The Bible said, follow peace with all men and women and holiness. Follow after holiness. Pursue after it. Make it something you diligently inquire after. Make it a goal that you have. Holiness, listen, without which no man shall see God. Woo. Boy, that's heavy. No man will see God without holiness? Right out of the book. That's exactly what it says. And the Bible even says this is the perfect will of God. My Lord, if it's his will, and if it's his plan, if it's his purpose, and it's part of being the elect, that there's sanctification by the Spirit. That means there's regeneration. That means there's cleansing, and it's done by the Spirit. We, last week we preached about the priesthood of all believers, remember? What does, the, what does that doctrine teach? It teaches that everybody can go before the throne of grace and obtain help in time of need. That means you don't have to send anybody. It means you don't have to kill a lamb. It means you don't have to catch a pigeon. It, it means that you don't have to offer the blood of an animal. It means you can go personally into the throne room of grace. And you can put your elbows on the knees of our Heavenly Father and look right into His face and talk to Him as a child would speak to its parent. Hallelujah. Everybody, you're the priest of your temple. What do you mean my temple, Pastor? 2 Corinthians 6, 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of the living God? Me? The temple of God? You got to be kidding. You just told me that I had to be holy. And you just told me that without holiness, I wouldn't see God. And now you're telling me I've, I'm, a, I'm a dwelling place? I'm a habitat? Ephesians chapter 2 closes that chapter with, by saying, and now you're no longer strangers and no more foreigners, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and are the household of God, a holy temple fitly framed together, which groweth unto a habitation. What is a habitation? Mine's 349 Wood Creek Crossing. What's yours? That's my habitation. It's where I live. What's God's address? You looking at it? He's, he's sitting beside you. 
the dwelling place of God. We are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, God said, I will walk in them and I will dwell in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Who? These elect ones, these chosen ones. And ye shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate? Why, God, do you want me to be separate? Because we live in a world that's been corrupted through lust. And therefore, we've got to come out from the things that are of the world. Now, I must confess to you, the church is not doing a very good job at that in these last days we're living in. We're not distinguishing ourselves very much from run-of-the-mill Americans. And further than that, the preaching of this generation is woefully weak and woefully simplistic and woefully inoffensive. For some reason, we think that the Word of God is not supposed to offend anybody. Where in the world did you ever get that? That you thought that you could read a book that tells you without holiness you're not going to see God and that that book would not ever offend anybody. Preachers break their neck, Don, every week trying to find a sermon to preach that won't make nobody mad. racking their brain to find a, a, a something to preach that nobody will leave over. Somebody might get mad and quit paying their tithe. And the pulpits are being held hostage in America by fear and dread and worry. No wonder you get pablum toast for breakfast every time you come to church. But that prophet that will stand between the door and the altar, that prophet that will dare to say, thus saith the Lord, that will dare to speak to a nation and call a nation to repentance, that will dare to shake their finger in the midst of a society and say, you're wrong and this is sin and you'll, you'll be lost and you'll go to hell for doing stuff like that. Where are those Amoses? Where are those Jeremiahs? Where are those Ezekiels? And where are those Zephaniahs? Where is Hosea? Where is Micah? Where are these prophets of the Lord? God, give us some men and women that will stand in the pulpit and preach the Word of God that will tell people the truth and say, this is what God's Word says. Amen. There's a strong feeling, in fact, all the books that I'm doing papers and doing stuff on right now are complaining about the weakness of the preaching in pulpits in America. Every one of them. Images of Preaching by Dr. Donald Long, Haddon Robinson's book, Biblical Preaching, Jerry Vine's book, Power in the Pulpit. Every one I pick up, the first chapter starts off, we're in a mess. Our pulpits are anemic and weak. And the reason they're weak 
is because people put so much pressure on them and threaten them that if you don't preach what I like, it's almost like we're, we're going to a smorgasbord. And, and, and people just roam around tasting a little bit here, tasting a little bit. Come on, somebody. Well, I, I, I like Brother Irwin's take on resurrection. I think I'm going to go over there for a little while and hear some resurrection. I, I, like, I like the way uh, Brother Brown does over at Golden Springs Baptist. I like his, his uh, message on redemption. I'm going to go hear a little bit of This is not a smorgasbord. This is not Western Sizzlet. My Lord, we're not going through a line picking and choosing what we want. God help us to understand God's Word is offensive. Jesus said, I'm offensive. Jesus said, I'm not come to send peace on this earth. He said, don't you know that I've come to set at variance? Oh, you're not hearing this preacher. I'm going to have to preach without much amens this morning. Jesus said, I came to stir up a mess. I, I came to stir things up. I didn't come into this world. Come on, somebody. And Jesus said, the world will hate you. But he said, it's not because they hate you. It's because they hate me. And I'm in you, so that offends them. You better listen to this preacher. It offends them that you love me and that your allegiance is to me, that you've made up your mind you're going to serve the Lord. You said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'll make you regret that remark. The old devil says, well, brother, he hadn't made me regret it yet. And brother, as long as I keep walking in the light as he is in the light, I don't think I'll ever regret the day I said, Lord Jesus, come into my life and be the Lord of my life and I'll walk in the path of righteousness and I'll, I'll live the life of personal purity and love you and serve you and preach your word till you come and get me. Oh, I intend to do that, don't you? Why don't you give God some praise in this house? Sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. Grace be to you and peace be multiplied. Romans 11 and 7. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. What's he saying? He's saying there's a difference in Israel. Israel is his own, and he came unto his own, and his own received him not. They remain blind. I said, they remain blind. But he said, the election, said, you people that are part of the chosen, said, praise God, you've received it. And you know what the truth is about Jesus. You know the right things to say. You know the right things to believe because you've been blessed by the knowledge of being a part of the elect ones. Well, what did he say about elect ones? He said, that Satan was able to transform himself into an angel of light and said he would deceive the very elect of God if it were possible. What's he saying? 
What he's saying is, God is saying, I want you to be so full of God that if an angel comes down and tries to tell you that Jesus didn't die for the sins of the world, I want you to be so full of God that if an angel sparkling and shining in splendor comes down and tells you some other gospel than that which we preached unto you, then let that angel be accursed. Amen. Hey, he said if it were possible, they would deceive the elect of God. Why is it not possible to deceive the elect of God? Because they know in their knower that they have learned that God is gracious, that God is loving, that God is kind, that God answers prayer, that God meets his promises and keeps his word. God does what he says he'll do. Hallelujah. And if you'll trust him and believe him, he'll keep you and sustain you and enable you and, and encourage you and strengthen you and bless you and give you all spiritual blessings in his name. Woo! We're weak in areas where we ought to be strong. Weak in areas where we ought to be strong. Praise God. We had a visitor last Sunday in our church that had probably never been to a Pentecostal service in his life. I was kind of concerned about what he thought about everything. When I got him off to where I could talk to him, I said, what'd you think about service at Harvest this morning? He said, I was thrilled every minute of it. <laughs> thrilled every minute. Hey. Hey. Hallelujah. Thrilled every minute. My God, I wonder, Susie, if we could fill this place that, with folks that are thrilled every minute. I wonder what it would be like, Don, if we had, we seat about 1,300 on this main floor right here. Wouldn't it be something if we could put a thrilled every minute person in every seat? Thrilled every minute. Never been in one before. But my Lord, thrilled every minute. Thrilled in the singing. Thrilled in the praying. Thrilled in the offering. Thrilled in the preaching. Thrilled even in the dismissal. Thrilled in the handshakes, thrilled in the smiles, thrilled every minute. You reckon you could build you a church with people that are thrilled every minute that they're at service? You know what? I believe what we've got, 1,400 and how many members, Don? 1,470, 70-something members. You mean if we had them all here today, we couldn't seat them on the floor? And at some time or another, they were uh, thrilled every minute. Must have been thrilled every minute they got up 
and walked forward and joined the church and got baptized and all that kind of good stuff. Well, what are we going to say when, when you get up there and the Lord says, well, your, your record here looks a little incomplete. Your record here looks a little incomplete. Looked like there was a time when you was a thrilled every minute kind of person. You did run well. What did hinder you? You mean he's going to want to know who made me mad and why I quit? Come on, somebody. You mean he's going to want to know what happened? You did run well. What did hinder you? My Lord. I used to wonder about that scripture. I thought, Jesus, surely I would never question your omniscience. But you said there would be people that would appear and would say, yay, Lord, yay. And he would say, nay, nay. Come on now. Brother, when it comes down to getting in, not getting in, elect. Ooh, that's going to be tight. I wonder what would happen if we had all of our 1,470-something members here. Boy, you talking about a prayer line? Ooh, you talking about a roar in this house when we all prayed? You talking about how many decibels of sound Brother, we could have a small earthquake up here on Holy Hill, couldn't we? My Lord, you get 1,400 voices saying, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Thank you, Jesus! Lord, you'd have something earth-shattering going over here. You know what would happen? I guarantee you, the next Sunday after you had that thrilled every minute crowd in here, you'd have twice as many the next Sunday. You know why? Because they would want to come see what the thrilled every minute group is so thrilled every minute about. What is it that is so, ooh, so charming, so wonderful, so blissful that you want to be in an atmosphere where you're thrilled every minute? Well, I want to tell you there's a place in the Holy Ghost you can get that that thrill never ceases. You can reach a place in the Holy Ghost when every song is a shouting song. You can reach a place in the Holy Ghost when every sermon is a shouting sermon. You can reach a place in the Holy Ghost when praying and calling out to God is a pleasure, when it's a wonderful, blissful, thrilling thing to do. I want to tell you, going to church ought to be a thrilling thing for everybody. Ought to be thrilling for everybody. Glory to God. How would to God that he would turn over. Oh, Brother Jolly used to say, Brother Jerry, I feel like the Lord just turned over a tub of honey right in the middle of my soul. Turned over a tub of honey. It 
That's kind of what it's like to be thrilled every minute. That's a person that never been in a service before like that, says thrilled every minute. Hmm. So you got one to add to your collection about not a hair. Thrilled every minute. Thrilled. I, I wish I could get thrilled every minute, people. And I wish I could set them down right here. Right here. Yeah, I know the slant. And I know it hurts your neck to have to look up. I know, I know, I know. But I wish I could have, have a thrilled every minute, people, sitting right up here. Woo! Glory to God. No, you wouldn't get out here to 1 o'clock then. You wouldn't like that. <laughs> Romans 11 and 5, Even so then at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. 2 Peter 1 and 10, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. What? Well, Brother Jerry, I worry about falling all the time. You mean there's a place I can get in God that I don't have to worry about falling? You mean there's a place that I can reach in the Spirit of God that I don't have to guess and worry that I can know that if I do these things, I shall never fall. Back up just a little bit up there, honey, on those verses right before that, and we'll find a verse that says, add to your faith virtue. And then add to your, to your virtue patience. And then add to your patience knowledge. And add to your patience their forgiveness and love for the brethren. What? You mean loving the brethren is going to mean make a difference in whether I... That book I preach out of said, if you can't love folks you have seen, how could you love God whom you have not seen? Amen. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. Next one. If these things be in you and abound. If you've got the list and it abounds, it's more than is necessary. It's running over. Have you got running over bro brotherly love? Have you got running over patience? Have you got running over charity and virtue and faith? And he said, if these things be in you, and if they abound, they make you so that ye shall never be barren and never be unfruitful in the knowledge of God. Never be unfruitful. Whoa, wouldn't that be something? If you hit every time you shot, never miss. Never be unfruitful. Never, Lord, there's another that, never be unfruitful. Never be unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Next verse. But he that lacketh, now this is where it gets offensive. So if you're thin-skinned, you might want to 
He that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and has forgotten all about that he was part of the elect, that he was saved from his old sins. Brother, you forgot about the most important thing. Brother, you're acting like and living like the Lord has never saved you. Brother, you're acting and talking like and worshiping like you've never ever been forgiven and never been saved and washed in the blood. You forgot about the cleansing. You forgot about the spirit. You forgot about being made a new creature in Christ. You forgot all about old things passed away and all things become new. You've forgotten that you were purged from your old sins. Quit acting like you ain't saved. That'd be a good sermon title, wouldn't it? Quit acting like you're not saved. Next verse, and then I'll go on to another one. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence. Work hard at it. Don't let it be just a casual thing. Let it be an important thing. Giving diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you've got that list, if you've got that list, you shall never fall. Boy, I just gave all of y'all something you ought to give another offering for. I need to take up another offering. Because, buddy, I just gave you some information. I gave you a list that that Bible I preached, I said, if you do those things, you won't ever have to worry about falling. You won't have to ever go to sleep wondering. You, will, you forget about that if I should die before I wake. Come on, somebody. A list, brotherly kindness, charity, faith. Virtue, all those things. If you've got those things, you will never fall. Now, they tell me that in mathematics, there's this law of equality. That if you put the negative on the other side, it'll equal the positive on the other side. So then if we read that in the negative, and it says, for if you don't do these things, Well, I'll let you finish reading that. That's why it's so important that you have those things. Because there are many people that will miss the mark not knowing they got to have those things. What are those? There's, those are fruit of being a part of the elect. Those are fruit of people who are saved. Those are fruit of people who are chosen. Boy, that's good stuff, and I love it. I got to close. Come on, Olivia. Colossians 3 and 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. Matthew 24. We know what that one's all about, don't we? For there shall arise false Christ, false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they will deceive the very elect. Romans 8, 28 and 30, and then I'll quit. 
And he that searcheth the hearts, who is that? Say it loud. God. For he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. He that searches hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. What is the Spirit doing in me? Jesus said, when he is come, come, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, when he is come, he'll teach you. He'll guide you into all the truth. He'll help you remember everything that I said, and he'll take the things that are mine and show them to you. So God, who searches all the hearts, knows what the Holy Spirit is trying to accomplish in you. Are you reading that? Come on, read it with me. I want you to be sure and get this. He that searcheth the hearts, God, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, knows the goal that the Spirit has for you, knows the work plan that the Holy Spirit has for you. Wow. Knows the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to what? The will of God. Wow. Maketh intercession for saints. So then Jesus is our priest, ascended into the heavens, and he's praying for Joel Daniel. He's praying for Jeanette Bowman. He's praying for David. He's praying for Scott. He's praying for Greg and Tina. He's praying for Peggy. Yes, Faye, he's praying for you too. Don is even praying for you. And believe it or not, he's praying for me. I don't know what I would do if he wasn't praying for me. But he's not praying to give me every little old thing that I want. And he's not praying to make me happy about everything he does in my life. And he's not praying to make me, well, you get the picture. He's praying for one thing. What is it? The will of God be done for Jerry Irwin. Is there anybody in this house today that could say, I want the will of God for my life? I want God's will to be done in my life. I want Jesus' prayer to be answered that he's praying for me. If he's praying for me to do the will of God and know the will of God, then my prayer is that Jesus' prayer would be answered. Stand with me, please, all over this house. Well, I want to ask you, today is the first Sunday of the rest of your life. You've got a glorious opportunity this morning to do something you can transform today. What does that mean? It means you can change. It means you can change. Number one change is to become a thrill every minute person.
Lord, I want you to make me a thrill every minute person. I'm through casually walking into your house as if I didn't have anything else to do. I'm through walking in those doors as if somebody sentenced me to a jail term. I'll come in those doors from now on with my head up. I'll come in those doors with a praise in my heart and a song in my mind. I'll come in those doors from now on saying thrill every minute. Thrill every minute. Don't let me miss one thrill, God, while I'm at your house. Don't let me miss one moment. If there's one ever moment, I want to make sure I get every one of them, God. Don't let me miss a one. Second thing you can take from this service is that list. Brother Jerry, I'll just have to tell you, I'm going to have to work on that list. We all work on that list every day. It's called living for God. And I wish that I could tell you that I'm perfect on all counts. But Don will tell you, I'm working hard on several of them on that list. I'm just glad I got the list. I'm just glad I got the list. Aren't you glad you got the list? Because now you know. I said, now you know. So when somebody asks you, what does it take to go to heaven? Say, no, Jesus first. And then after you're sure he's washed your sins away and he's forgiven you of all your sins, then let me tell you what this little list says about living for him. Faith and virtue and loving brotherly kindness and sisterly kindness. I believe it works. I said, I believe it works. I believe it works. And I believe it'll take you to heaven. Amen. Father in heaven, I praise you. And I thank you for the Holy Spirit anointing that I've felt in this place today. Thank you for the liberty to preach your word. And I ask you to help us to leave this house with a keener understanding of what the elect is. That God has chosen in Jesus for the sins of the whole world to be remitted. For all of us, all of us, to take advantage of the gracious offer of God. For it is not the will of God that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Lord, I want to be in that all number. Help me, Lord Jesus, to have those fruit in my life that Pastor shared with us today right out of the book of God. Your word says that we stand in the word of God and, we, and we're saved if we keep in memory the things that are preached to us. Don't let us forget this Sunday morning, God. Don't let us forget this message, Lord. Help us to remember this message because it will make us better. Dismiss us now from this place, but not your sight. We'll give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.